of Truth with Ruth. I am Ruth Ruckel. For those of you who have never listened to my podcast, maybe there's a few of you um, that chose to like jump down to episode whatever this is <laughs> and not start at <laughs> one. <laughs> um, so welcome. I love you. I'm thankful that you're listening. And I'm here with, well, he's like, he's like my family, Toby, Tematabe, Peters. And um yeah, if you want to know how we met in our relationship, you can actually listen to a different podcast we did together um, on, um, I'm, I don't even, I can't even believe I, we just did it and I don't even, I can't even, <laughs> missed opportunities. Freedom, I'm like, opportunity. Ah. yeah, it was so many things <laughs> we processed through, but this is kind of a special episode because I, he, like, so Tematape, you can follow him on Instagram. That's really where he's at. He has um, a join in the family account. Uh, that is where he does all of his face to face, like, live interviews with people. And he'll talk to you all about that. And then he's got his, well, personal, but like, also, he's a recording artist as well, too. Like, he records music. Um, I know I'm making him sound super fancy, but yeah, uh, yeah, I record music at your house. Whatever, you're still that you're still <laughs> super fancy, and so um, <laughs> anyway, Timotape, you can look him up on Instagram and give him a follow because uh, I not only love him as a person, I also love his heart. Like we have very similar hearts about the kingdom of God and family and um, church per se. And both of us are out of the box, unique thinkers in the ministry that God has um, entrusted us with. And I love it because even though the way we go about building kingdom is unique to who God says we are, it literally intertwines itself together so that mm -hmm. we can, are, we are literally always going, yep, Yep. Uh-huh. Yes. On the same page. Like I, <laughs> it's beautiful though, because God is, God is building through, through Timotape an expression of the body of Christ and of the church that I don't think you see in very many places and is very rare. Um, so we're going to be talking about reconciliation and what that looks like kind of from the perspective of kingdom that God has his family building, Timotape and his family building through joining the family, through his music, um, and then we'll have a conversation around that. So there you go. <laughs> what an intro. Yeah? You like that? Oh, sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was nice. Oh, well, I'm excited. I love, I love nice. that you... No, of course. Of course. <laughs> I love how you pointed out, like, if people didn't start on episode one, like, you jumped in here. Like, why would you jump in just here? What? That's just not my personality. The I'm like, title. if I'm going to listen to something, you got to go back to the beginning, though. You got to know all of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> There's some people, an I got to have a catchy title. They might just see a catchy title and be like, oh, that's the one. I don't know. Fair. 
That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. We, we forgive them. Well, there's grace. We forgive them. We forgive. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me in. Yes. This one and the last one. These have been really fun. Yes. What's more fun about these is I'm like, these are just normal conversations that we have. Totally. Anyway. Totally. It's just we're recording it. So that's fine. I know. I'm finally doing it right. Like, I, Gifty, I think, <laughs> yells at me all the time. Breath. Why are we not recording? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm just talking to you like you're my friend, dude. I'm so, God is working on the marketing side of my personality, which doesn't exist at the moment. And it's not, it's not because I don't, it's not because I don't think that he, well, in the past, okay, I'm going to confess. It's because I don't, I like think, why would you want to use me? But then now I understand he does want to use me. I just have to be intentional about being used. That's all. And a lot of the times I just go through life being used because that's who I am. I'm like, yes, yes. And now I'm having to put a little bit of thought and intention behind it because you know mm. in doing what you do, when you do that, you literally can shift the atmosphere in a city and then a, a nation. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, God, God wants to bless us so that we can bless others. But in order to bless others, like we got to be where the others are. Yeah. Which means. You got to, people got to know about your podcast. People got to know about your music. People got to know about your, your couch business or whatever. Like people got to know that you exist. <laughs> so they're like, I'm going to go get my blessing from Mama Ruth. I don't even know who she is. Oh my gosh. I'm like so convicted right now. <laughs> <laughs> Episode over. Bam. <laughs> There's nothing redemptive about it yet. <laughs> Oh my Everything's gosh. All right, I got it. I got it. I'll do better with my hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. You know, the reality is, is honestly like the right people find it, you know what I mean? Yes. It's like I mean, this is kind of touching to what we did talk about, but like I'm just learning, you know, with freedom and everything. It's just like well literally like in freedom, I'm like, I don't have to like do anything really i was reading in acts 2 right because we're doing like this like house church which is so silly like i'm like why do we have to call it house church like it's church it's <laughs> right. just church right it's just people like studying god's word letting it saturate our lives like being in community where accountability can happen where prayer can like can happen where you break bread together you serve together you love to get like it's just church but anyway we're reading in acts 2 and i'm reading it i'm like reading it, and i'm like you know it's really interesting it's contextually at that time, they're just like, they're all in a room and the spirit fell. And it's like, what people usually remember is like, they're all in a room and the spirit fell and there's tongues of fire and they spoke in tongues. Like, cool. But I'm like, what well, do you recognize? Like, what happened? Like, contextually, they were in a room in a house, right? And at that time, they're probably, I mean, they didn't have rooms like we have. They weren't like, oh, the kids go to this room and the older people go to this room and the young people go here. Right. Everybody was all together. So I'm guessing there probably was women and children there. I don't know. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> and the spirit like just fell. And so like, they didn't have the Bible then. Like Jesus had just like, <clears throat> like ascended back into heaven. Like they weren't like, Oh my God, let's open it. Like they just were, they were there. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, it was just very simple. It was just very, very simple, simple people gathered together, love the Lord, just trying to be together in community to see him and seek him together. 
And in that simplicity, in the midst of the craziness, because there was kids there, I assume it was probably crazy, the spirit fell. And so I just feel like as we know, as God has called us to bless other people, like it doesn't have to be like this great grand marketing plan and this, that, and the other. Like it's just a simple heart of like, God, I want to be used by you. I want to see you and I want other people to see you in my life. And he will grow it and he will move in it and, and the spirit will, will make it go. I mean, like the spirit put fell on them and tongues of fire happened and God added to their number that day. And so right. I think for you, the simplicity of you just going, I'm going to have conversations with my family and my friends and just like offer it to the Lord and seek him and seek him with, with my friends and provide an opportunity for other people. He'll add to the number. Yes, he will. That is, that is correct. And half the battle is just being consistent and doing it. Amen. I know you're really Amen. good at that. Like you are, you're very good at consistency. So, I mean, we are different generations and I'm good at consistency and other things, but like you mm. are, you are really good at, at pursuing people and, um, moving forward the, the dreams and the vision that God has given you in your heart for ministry towards others. So, yeah. Thank yeah. you. But I think part of it's my personality. I mean, like, I just, I think so many people miss out potentially on things that God has in store because they just aren't willing to do the work. But if we look at anything, God's great. God knows we're, we're dumb. And I'm like, if you look at life, the best views come from the hardest climb. But what is our climb? Like, it's literally consistently putting your foot in front of the other. Yeah. And the, and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the steepness of the climb varies. Sometimes it's an easy climb. Sometimes it's a hard one, but you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Sometimes you're climbing through and you can see little peaks of a view. Sometimes you're climbing through and you can't see anything. But when you get to the top, it's the greatest view. And it literally was the consistency of putting one foot in front of the other. And so that's just how I look at life. I'm like, God's got a great thing in store for me. And I just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. When I met you, well, yeah, when we finally encountered each other back in, I think it was February of this year, um, maybe beginning of March, whatever, back then, one thing I loved was God had just shifted, or even not even shifted, dropped in your heart the desire for, well, it started with passion for multiculturalism, and now as we were talking, you're like, and it's even morphed into reconciliation, which I think they obviously they go hand in hand together. But mm -hmm. talk a little bit about <clears throat> that because you have, you know, you twice a week you get on line with people and you guys process through those types of different things. And so talk about for I first of all I want to know. People don't know you. People don't know your culture or what multiculturalism is. Why is that important to you? What, what, what is the basis of that in your life? And then, um, kind of like how how you realized, oh my gosh, God, this is the platform you've given me. How did that platform even fall into your lap? Sure. Yeah. So, I'm the son of an immigrant. My dad is Nigerian, and my mom is. British and my siblings and I were all born in America and, and you know you would think like okay cool like that's like easy like just a typical probably if anyone's listening to this and they're from America they're like okay great American family I'm like nope 
Not at all an American family because you can't get the Nigerian out of my Nigerian father. You can't get the British out of my British mother. And then you can't, you can't not have the country we live in, America, influence the children. So we live, we grew up in a very multicultural household. Multiculturalism is essentially just to say an appreciation for different colors and cultures. It's to say that, you know, somebody is not just, like the, the color of their skin and the culture, like the family or the area that they live in, the country that they live in, all of those things should be um, considered and appreciated when meeting somebody. There is no like normal, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, right? Yeah. What happens in America is America is a pretty monochromatic culture. And you can see it really in our churches as well. We pride ourselves in being a melting pot because we're like, sweet, wherever you came from, melt that away and become one thing, right? Oh, We're a great American pot. <laughs> melt away all of the distinctions that made you unique and become this one thing. And then that one thing becomes quote unquote normal. Wow. And everyone's measuring everything by that normality that we've created in this country. We do the same thing in our churches. If you're going to come here. You got to talk a certain way, sing a certain way, be a certain age or think a certain way or think within that age, dress within that age. We do the same thing. And then we celebrate that normal, that normative. And we call that, that's what's normal and everything else then feels weird. And what we believe as Christians is Psalm 139 that everyone's fearfully and wonderfully made. Take that a step further, multiculturalism, everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made and everything about them, the color of their skin, the culture that they come from, the creed, the way that they process the world, all of that was intentional so that when they bleed out Jesus, it bleeds out in a way that only they can. Because finite beings cannot fully encompass infinite concepts. So the only way for us to fully see Jesus is to be in community because he doesn't come through in just one way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a little bit of my passion for multiculturalism. And, and I think it's because for me growing up in a household with you know, parents that aren't American, they're not even from the same country or the same cultural context. Um, I've had to learn to see and appreciate them for who they are versus trying to change them. So I spent a lot of my life trying to change them. I spent a lot of my life ashamed of who I was because I didn't feel quote unquote normal. And because of that, I missed out on things that God was trying to teach me through them. Mm-hmm. And I missed out on things that God was trying to do in and through me as me. Mm-hmm. Every time we try to do something else, we're missing out actually on the truth of Psalm 139 fearfully wonderfully made on the purpose like you are you for a purpose and God wants to use you in a purposeful way to help his story be told in a way that only you can tell it nobody else can tell the story of God's story the way that Henry Copper can or Mama Ruth can or you who are listening it's yeah. meant to sound and really differently through each of us and so I, I, I uh, started to I, I learned that obviously growing up and then I, I had an experience in Atlanta with this with this music group um, this writing camp I was uh, that I'm a part of and affiliated with, and and it was actually in that car that I started to recognize, or on a car ride where there was, I think there was six of us in the car, or seven of us, and uh, it was one white guy. The rest of us were black, but we all were telling our stories, and all of our stories were so different, all of them. And most of my experiences with African Americans, because um, I don't, cause I haven't necessarily seen myself as an African American in the sense that. I don't have history in this country that goes back to my ancestors being brought over from Africa to America, not as equals, but as slaves. And then that carries a, a trauma. So 
psychologically and physiologically that has been passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily carry that, or I, I, I should mean I don't necessarily, I don't carry that because my parents came over here um, as immigrants um, and had different opportunities based on the time in which they came over here versus some people's ancestors. Right. So um, I, uh, I, I, was in, I had a, a certain perception in my mind of what African-American, what it meant to be African-American um, based off of my experiences um, both good and bad, and that was totally blown up on that car ride because people just all have very different stories, and that kind of started this journey for me to go, okay, like, when I actually look at somebody and instead of going, oh, you you are this, so therefore you fit in this box, and instead I go, oh, you are you, like, what can I learn from you? Like, I have more to learn from you than I have to give to you. It's a posture of picking up the bread and saying, hey, can we break bread together? You tell me your story, and I'll tell you mine, versus the hammer of like, well, you don't fit into the normative, so let me beat you into that normative. I found that there was such a beauty in seeing people for just their own uniqueness in that conversation on that car ride. And so then I decided, you know, maybe there's more conversations like this to be had. And actually, maybe like, why, why haven't these conversations been had at all? And, and if these conversations have, or should have been happening, of course they should happen in the church because Psalm 139 is in the Bible, and the church is in the Bible, so why isn't the church talking about these things? And I just started spiraling out with all these questions, and instead of just sitting by myself and figuring them out, I decided to invite people along the journey and just have these live Instagram conversations that uh, ended up being um, more um, more well-received than I was anticipating. And so I'm actually about to do my 50th. Wow, nice. And you Yeah, that was a lot of word bombing. No, that was actually really good. I actually learned some stuff. I, I mean, I no, I'm, well, I'm obviously, well, maybe it's not obvious, but I'm not black. So, I mean, I'm not an immigrant, <laughs> nor am I a black American, nor am I an African American. And so right. I'm sitting here as you're describing all of that, listening to all of it, and you're talking about African Americans and like why, how they, what, what distinguishes someone as an African American. So so would you consider yourself a black American or would you still consider yourself an African American? Because you, I, you don't have descendants that come from, I'm literally just asking questions to understand too. Oh yeah. Don't no, dude. like, um, I you know, mean, this is a safe space. No, I know. I know. I know. But I've asked questions and gotten ripped apart for them. Um, and called yeah, lots that's not of, by me. called lots of names for being an ignorant white person. And so I think that's a yeah, lot well. of, that's a lot of the reason why people don't ask questions or like, I'll speak for someone who's white, um, or Caucasian, whatever you want to call me. I'm not super politically correct. So sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I find that a lot of, um, white people don't want to ask questions because they don't, I'm not afraid to, for someone to say, are you ignorant? I'm like, well, in this area, yes, I am. Like, I, I, why would I be educated? I don't, it's not my life unless I have people in my life that are willing to have conversations with me around this. Right. But I have had lots of names called to me <laughs> for asking questions. And so don't think that just. Black people, Asian people, Hispanic people, whatever, are the ones that get discriminated against. I'm sorry, white people do too. Like, Oh, 100%. And it's because I'm trying to understand. I want understanding um, so that I can, always so that I can love better. And so, like, I, what is the difference, all that to say, what is the difference between a black American and then an African American? Yeah. Um, 
to me, the difference, well, actually, you let me go back and, and say, there is no, so we can get, we'll get into reconciliation, right? Okay. We'll get into like why I've switched from multiculturalism to reconciliation, but you can't have understanding if you don't ask questions. Right. That's just like, let's just say that, like in an order for reconciliation to happen, even in order for people to appreciate the diversity within colors and cultures, AKA multiculturalism, you have to ask questions. Yes. Cause you don't know. You don't know. And so that needs to just be stated, period. Second, prejudice carries itself in all forms. Prejudice is no respecter of color, of gender, of anything. And so I think it would, it is, it would be um, naive to say that when people say racist, it accompanies anybody besides white people. White people have prejudices, or people of color, even white people to white people. There are prejudices carried. Totally. Everywhere. And so, that's another reason why I've chosen the reconciliation period. And we'll get to that later. But I, um, yeah, I, I consider myself a black American in the sense that I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a first generation American. Um, that's really why it is. I'm a first generation American and I'm black. So I would consider myself a black American because again, African American in this country generally means that you are not a first generation black person in America, you have history here dating all the way back to slavery. Okay. That's see, I just learned something new. I did not know. I'm like, I did not know. So yeah. And it, and there's been, uh, there's been some, there are some, um, very real, um, how do you say it? Like there's some real opportunities afforded to, different people, right? So I, with someone that's African-American, not everyone is African-American. There's people that are African-American that they have, you know, history sites, their history dates back to slavery. Mm -hmm. And so they also are a result of the system, right? And so there are some things that have happened in terms of like housing, education, different opportunities that they haven't had that have, ha- that have been continued on through the generations. Right. Where right. with a black American, right, those that, that might, that most of the time isn't the case, again, because we, they, they're usually a, a, a different mindset because we don't have the trauma of what has happened through generations. We're coming in a little bit more fresh. Wow. That's not to say that there's not trauma, right? Being a black person in America is a complicated thing, regardless <laughs> right. of whether you got history here or not. Well, <laughs> but, and um, uh, just so everybody knows, you're not just a black American or a black man in America. You're also a multicultural family because you have right. a wife that is Caucasian and two biracial mm-hmm. kids. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, it makes sense that reconciliation is on your heart. I mean, God, God is so rad to create your whole family is like a walking billboard for reconciliation. <laughs> I mean, cause you're, yeah. you are like, yes. I mean, yes, there is no mistaking that you are a six foot, whatever, tall black man. <laughs> nope. and, and your you wife is this tiny little, not black woman. She's so cute. Yep. <laughs> so. She's awesome. Yeah. She's five foot and I'm six two and I'm yes. dark and she's light. And it's just like, Okay. <laughs> right. And, you know, people, people, and thankfully, you know, the looks, you know, are less, but there's still looks. People are still pretty thrown off, which goes to show you just like how much work we still have to do, you know? 
It's so, it's so. so crazy. And, and, and what's interesting about that, the looks, like you're talking about the looks, like my girlfriend is white and she was dating a, um, a black man and they were going out in another part of California where she was getting the looks like, because black women were pissed that this man was choosing to date a white woman. Like it was the opposite. Like it wasn't like white people looking at them as a couple being like, whatever it was legit. Like the own, their own black community, like not happy that this couple was a thing. <laughs> Cause it's like, it's interesting. And I think you'd have to obviously talk to a black woman right. from that culture to understand fully. But at least from what I, from what I've learned, you know, just even through my own conversations through joining the family, it's just like, um, it's just like, uh, for a lot of black women, you know, it, it, it feels like the black men are being taken away because there's a specific, there's a certain, um, stereotype, um, given to black women that sometimes men, black or white, doesn't really matter. Like men in general have, you know, uh, kind of a uh, apprehension to get into a relationship with a black woman woman because she's seen as, you know, um, strong-willed um, and all of these other, like, things that you could fill in the blank with. And the reality is, is some of that is because, again, of the situation for black women in America. Black women in America have had it very, very difficult. And in a lot of cases, the men have been taken away from black women. And it's back going back to slavery, black women were often raped or taken advantage of by the slave owners. And so they've had to build, right, a, a strong personality to be able to survive being like such unjust treatment by slave owners uh, who, are, who are sexually taking advantage of them that have to find a way to lead their families because the husband is being taken away um, for this reason or another. And so then they're teaching their daughters to do the same thing. And, they're, you know, like, so like there are reasons why some black women have a, such a strong personality attached to them. And again, that's not even the case for all of them. Right. Um, there's always exceptions to the rule, but I think that is sometimes why, at least in my experience in talking to some black women, right. um, but also again, through joining the family, like learning like, Oh, so it's not necessarily that you're like necessarily against interracial couples. It's more like you're just frustrated because it feels like nobody wants to date you because of X, Y, and Z, which you can say like, and the reason I am like that is because my mom told me and my grandma told me and her grandma, you know? Yeah. So, no, there's a lot of layers. That's, it's so crazy. I'm like, oh, wow. It goes back to identity. Yeah. I mean, it all, mm -hmm. it all goes back to that, like your identity and what it's, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely coming from a different perspective, but like as a woman, I can speak as a woman and a strong woman at that. Um, mm -hmm. I know that I can relate to that feeling of, of having those things like you need to submit. You should, you should stop talking. You should right. be this way. You should do this. Like, no men want this. They don't want that women. And yeah. And it's so Finding your identity as a strong woman, let alone a strong black woman, man. <laughs> I, it's uh, hard. It's it's not always celebrated for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. And I come from a home, you know, my mom is 
She's not American. She's British, but she is a strong black woman. Oh, and yes, she is, Boomy Peters. Yes, <laughs> she is. She is a strong black woman. And my sister's funny because my sister's strong as well, but my sister has a quiet strength, right? Uh-huh. My sister's like a lawyer. She's super, super smart. Very, very proud of her. But like, yeah, I come from a line of strong women. My wife is very, very strong. Uh-huh. Very strong. I personally, I mean, I call you Mama Ruth. Like, the woman in my life, I, I love strong women because I, like, and I told my wife, like, I didn't marry anyone that stand behind me. <laughs> I married somebody that's going to stand right next to me, you know? And there's plenty of times that my wife is like, no, you're not doing that. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And I don't feel demasculated. You know what I mean? We're partners. Like, yes. we're partners in this life. Like, I'm not like, I am not her, I don't know, like, I just, we are partners. And that's how I see, like, man and woman. Like, we have different roles, and obviously we have different bodies, but we're, we are equal. We are yeah. partners in life. Yeah, I think that's a reflection. That mindset is also a reflection of uh Gen- different generations too. Like, I mean, definitely Orion, sure. Orion and I got married and were raised in a different generation than you were raised in, even though you're raised by a strong woman, it, like it was okay in your house, your mom. I mean, part of your parents being immigrants it, and the beautiful thing about it is although that they have adapted to the American way of life, they've maintained their autonomy in who they right. are. Um, mm-hmm. And, and who God says they are. I know because I've met both of them. And so, and your mom is a very strong woman. And it's not, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's their culture that, like your dad's culture that is okay with your mom being as strong as she is. Like, I just know that in my house, that would not have been celebrated because it, uh, conformity, like what you were going back to what you were saying um, in in America, like, we're a melting pot and you should all melt into looking the same. I, you said it a little bit different, but similar to that. Um, right. I, that is very much um, what I came out of was, and we're like, I, there's nothing, there's nothing multicultural really about us. Other, I mean, let me rephrase that. The world would say there's nothing multicultural about us because we're white. For but sure. The truth is everybody in their own color is multicultural. Period. 100%. So, but I was raised in the mindset of, yeah, you melt into adapting and being like everybody else. And so I have spent a good deal of um, years, even in my married life, trying to overcome that. And then our our challenges were, yeah, you get married, but the man's the head, the woman follows. And so having to overcome that old thought stereotype (laughs) that we were raised in and that was get handed to us, um, from our parents and given to us in our marriage. Like that's the examples we had. And so, man, it's been a super big journey. I I mean, uh, 21 years later, I'm happy to say that like Orion and I are definitely partners in marriage and he definitely celebrates the fact that I am a strong woman, but that took a lot of journeying and that took a lot of work. Um, and that took a lot of healing to get to that point. So whereas your generation, I think, embraces it more now, it's it's co-parenting is a thing like being present, you know, for your kids and in relationship and celebrating a woman who can stand on her own two feet. A lot of that has come from, you know, women's movements, which I don't agree with all of the thought behind them. But I do obviously always agree with empowering someone. Right. So. Yeah, it, it's just so fascinating to even look at how 
how just 10 to 15 years really has morphed like a a marriage and a generation and the way that kids are going to see their parents and be raised and what they're not going to have to deal with that maybe, you know, Orion and my generation have to deal with. It's just fair. It's really fascinating. Um, I don't know, I'm just processing all that out because you switch. No, you also yeah. switch from multiculturalism to reconciliation. And why did you do that? Like, talk about that. Yeah, too. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I have a mission statement as an artist, but like you have connected, like you know, like I don't just write music to write music. Like this is like my life. Like I need to hear these songs. This is like God talking to me, bringing hope to me, walking me through things. And I just like kind of like join the family. I just put it out there for people to hear because I think that maybe in me being vulnerable about where God is is taking me, like that might give people hope for their journey. And no one's like forgotten, you know. No one's not usable. So my mission statement is: I want to empower movement united by music that advances reconciliation and into the family of God. I chose the word reconciliation because when I when I chose the word multiculturalism initially, I just wanted people to understand like it's not it's beyond the color line. Like, like you said, culture is not totally dependent. Everybody, everybody that, that is, that is alive has culture. Even people within the same household, like you have kids, I have kids. They also, they still have a different cultural, like, uh, context in which they are growing up because they need, none of the kids are the same. And so I think to say like, well, if you're, there is, if you're like to be cultural means basically like to identify and appreciate anything other than whiteness. But I'm like, dude, even white people, like my wife's Scandinavian. <laughs> Scandinavia has like, you know, there's like, there's three c- countries that make up like Scandinavia and her family comes from like different parts of those three. And in those different three countries, there's, they speak different languages and like all the things when people are like, Oh, I'm from Africa. I'm like, yeah, Africa's a continent, <laughs> not a country. You know what I mean? It's a continent. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, I just love Africa. I'm like, what part of that? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I just love Europe. Like, what part of Europe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we got to recognize, like, there there aren't, it isn't just, like, white people and everybody else. We all are (laughs) culture. (laughs) We all are beautifully and wonderfully made. It's just, it's just kind of crazy to me. So, when I chose the word multiculturalism, I think people only thought I was worried, I was focus on you know the color lines helping people to appreciate um you know helping people to racially reconcile which is a funny word because we could get into that but that's a long conversation (laughs) i don't actually believe in races (laughs) they don't exist like races is a concept made up by humans to basically justify treating people differently oh snap right wow like when god created the world he just created humans just humans. Yeah. He didn't go, let me create black humans and brown humans and white humans. He just created humans. Yeah. And we all are humans. So there's one race, the human race, different shapes. But that doesn't make sense in a world that's fallen. Kingdom concepts don't make sense in a world that's fallen. So yeah. I will say racial reconciliation so that people can understand what I'm talking about. But yeah. in relationship with people that like know Jesus, like yourself, um, and I, I don't assume that anyone listening to this, like, it doesn't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, like, man, like, I'd love to talk to you about it. Mama Ruth would love to talk to you about it. Yeah. But what we do believe is that Jesus is the son of God and that in the beginning he created humanity and he created humanity to be in perfect relationship with him. But we 
believed a lie that we could do life better, that like there was more to life than what he had offered us. And we created the rift in the relationship. But Jesus, the son of God, left the beauty of heaven to the brokenness of earth to reconcile us to himself, to restore the relationship. And so what I believe is as a family of God, it goes in and through us. So we got to learn how to reconcile with each other so that we can provide an example to the world of what reconciliation looks like. And it's beyond the color line. We got to learn how to reconcile with people who think differently than us, who believe things differently than us, who live lives differently than us. That doesn't mean that there isn't, that, that God didn't design life to be a certain way, but what does he say? He says the greatest commandment is to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so I'm very passionate about helping people to love their neighbor. Mm. And really to love themselves, right? Yes. Because we talked about exactly. that the other two, day too. You can't, like I was learning it from, you know, just listening and, and learning from someone else. Like, oh, did you know that you can't, you can only love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. So if you don't right. love yourself, it's a reflection on how well you love your neighbor. And that is like, if we're looking from a church culture of things, oh, the lie that we've been, that has been perpetuated in the church is that you're a dirty, rotten sinner, period, forever. The, right. The truth. Right. That, and so it's like, how do you love yourself as a dirty, rotten sinner? I can never do anything right. I can never, I'm, I'm never good enough. Like it's, it's like this. It's really bad. It's just really bad theology. Like, and it's in a lot of the American church. Um, it keeps you in bondage. It keeps you coming every Sunday, keeps your, your money coming in. Um, and so I guess it keeps the pew filled, but it actually doesn't perpetuate mm -hmm. freedom for you. And so if, because if you understood that you're actually a saint, right, when you receive Christ, right. you become a saint. We talked it again that you're seated in heavenly places. You're an overcomer. All of the words that the Bible says that you are. Um, you would understand that your sin was left at the cross. You, you're no longer at the foot of the cross. You're at the seat of heaven. And you would have mm. a very different perspective of yourself um, than you currently do. So I, I yeah, I don't, bad theology, man. It keeps us in bondage. Very much so. It really does. <laughs> I love that. I actually call myself St. Timmy Tape sometimes. Come and on. What's funny is like, yeah, I just do it, you know, and like, and I'll tell people like, actually just, just yesterday, I was telling people, they're like, oh, you know, at the end of the life, this, that, whatever. I'm like, well, you all know at the end of life, I'm going to be seated at the right hand of Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father. Like, you know, and they're just like, you were the disciple whom, snarkily, you were the disciple right? whom Jesus loved. <laughs> right. Dude, I, was the one, I was the one that was leaning on his chest, man. That was me. You know, I was still there, dude. I'm like, give me. Come close, Lord. Come close. <laughs> but like, I was laughing. I say it like in a joking way, but I really actually, I mean, I believe that. Like, I do believe that, like, I believe that, I believe that Jesus like loves me and he loves to be with me and he wants to hang out with me and he made me on purpose. And what's interesting is I was, I've said it before on our last episode, but like I read one Psalm, Psalm 139 almost every day. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, especially as a worship artist, people are talking about, oh, there's so many me songs. Me, 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 I, I. And I'm like, hey, I get it. I'm like, but like, maybe like, those are okay. Like, like we shouldn't, like, we don't need to just focus on ourselves. But I do believe that honestly, like when I read how much God cares about me, loves me and has designed me, it makes me also recognize that in other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like, when I look at myself and I'm like, oh, you mean everything about me is on purpose? And even the stuff that I don't like, like you want to redeem that kind of like, like you want to redeem 
the sin in my life and, 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 and make that like that, that desire for attention. You want to make that, you want to, you want to turn that for a kingdom, for, for kingdom purposes. Like, like you want to, you want to use every part of me, like, and, and like, okay, then you obviously want to use every part of anybody in this kind of work, right? Reconciliation type of work, at least in my opinion. There has to be a, a recognition that we are not um, as a fourth part of the Trinity. You know what I mean? Like, I think for sometimes what makes it difficult for people to reconcile is you feel like you're in the right and that you have to fix this and this, that, and the other. And what I've learned is that nobody loves people more than God. Like, right. nobody loves my kids more than God. So, like, I struggle with anxiety, you know, and I sometimes, like, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I want to go check out my kids because I think somebody climbed through their window and is trying to steal them. Like, this is just my life. And uh, I, I, and I have, and I tell myself in those moments, I'm like, dude, nobody loves my kids more than God. Come on. Like, lock, I tell myself all the time, lock doors don't keep people out. Jesus does. Yeah. Like, you know, that doctor doesn't keep my kids healthy. Jesus does. Yeah. And so it just, that, that allows me then to go, Lord, I don't have to play any part in your plan. In the same way, I don't have to play the part in anybody's, um, um, how do you say, it? sanctification process. Mm-hmm. And I and I, and I know that might be kind of hard for people to understand. You might even disagree with me, but I think that we aren't responsible for people's sanctification. That's only the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's got people in process, and sometimes what I think, in my understanding, like that they need to be here, 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 and here. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I actually have a different, I have a different plan. I'm not going to, like, in, I'm not going to work on this part of, of the, them right now. I'm not going to work on, I'm not going to move them to this place right now. Like, I'm going to, I'm doing something that you don't understand. Because yeah. you can only see the outer experience and I can see the heart. And so I think part of that reconciliation work is to recognize, like, even at the end, you know, they still might think differently than you think. They still might believe things differently than you think. But that doesn't mean you can't love them. We got to learn how to love each other and disagree. Yeah, no, that's that I if I've experienced anything this year is it's that people think that agreement and love go hand in hand. And I definitely don't believe that to be a true statement. And I I love what you said about um, about like we don't have we're not responsible for people's sanctification, um, their process, their, <clears throat> their walk with God in, in essence, um, and making sure that they're on the right path, doing the right thing, right. going the right way. I think a lot of like in, in my experience, which I have a little bit of it, I think that that, <laughs> um, often happens. Well, I've had a lot of people do that with me. Like they feel like it's their job to step in and course correct my path because of an experience they had or an encounter they had or the way God worked with them. So it's all well-intentioned and I get it. Um, but a lot of, a lot of the times it's very, it's off season. Like it's in the wrong season that it's happening because it's in their season, not God's season. Right. Right. Um, and so God can use people to play a part in, you know, directing you like, and I don't, so in the vein of freedom, it's not, you're right. It's not my job to make sure that this person does this and goes this way because then I'm now assuming the role of Jesus in their life, Holy spirit in their life. And I fully believe that, um, if, if you're in my life, I actually believe that you have the ability to hear from God for yourself and your mess doesn't bother me. But as the American church messes bother us, right? So reconciliation is really hard 
Because it's saying that I'm okay with your mess and I'm okay with it, with you not looking like me. And, and I, and, but what that also says is I can't control you either. And what we like to do in our religious circles is control things, even in our, even in preaching freedom. And even in, we want you to be free as long as I can direct your path. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you're free here's to, the five steps to get there. Yeah. Here's the five steps to freedom. As long as you do those, you'll right. get there. And it's like, mm, I'm right. pretty sure that's not what the Bible says, but, um, but I, I, I love, cause I have said this for years that agreement and connection don't go hand in hand. They just don't mm-hmm. like, I can choose connection with you, even in disagreement. I can choose love even in, um, misunderstanding. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. what I also know about reconciliation, even just from this year, gosh, 2020 has been, been special <laughs> is that like <laughs> reckon to, for reconciliation to happen, both people have to believe that they played a part in doing something wrong mm-hmm. or they have, they both have, to, yeah, they both have to look like, like what happens is we have this hierarchy system like in, and I'm only speaking to right now. I'm only speaking to the religious realm of life, not the worldly realm. Um, mm. Not, not that they can't coexist together, but I'm just talking in Christian Christendom. Let's call it that. Um, sure. We've got this really great pyramid scheme built where there's someone on top and everybody else is beneath. And like, right we submit to the one on top, which is not Jesus. It's usually our pastor or leadership above us or whatever. Um, and typically they're not wrong. We are. So they're all, their job is mm. always to guide and direct and correct and make sure that mm. we're on the path that they have so nicely laid out for us in the organization that they're building. Right. Mm. And, and that's not a hundred percent of places. So I'm not saying that that's everywhere. I'm just saying that's in general, like, what you see built in America. Um, like, mm-hmm. cause you were even to go back further in this conversation, you were saying, you were saying, um, I don't even know why we have to call it house church. Like, why do we have to define it as that? We're just the church meeting. And so the re so to, I was thinking about that. The reason that you, that were conditioned to say house church really goes back to, um, house churches, were a thing when people got offended. So people would get offended with like the organization of church or a, you know, whatever. <laughs> totally so right. then they would go meet in houses and then everybody in the church would be like, well, be, be careful of that house church over there. And it got this right. really bad rap because all the people there must be bitter and they must be offended by the, by the gathering of the saints because the only one true gathering of the saints is in a building that's really big, that has a lot of programs that has pews and a worship team on stage doing all the things that's that. So that's why we have, we say house church. Oh, I have to define what it is that I'm doing because I might be one of those people. (laughs) <laughs> right. Isn't it so great? Our American culture, <laughs> the melting well, pot. It's so we live silly in. how it's just like, yeah, you're right. How it's just snuck its way into the church. Uh-huh. Right. right. To create and division, like, to create division. Well, I was reading in Matthew. I don't know if I was telling you this. I probably, I, mean, I tell you all sorts of things. So who knows what I told you, but like, <laughs> I was reading in Matthew and Jesus, when he was in, in his ministry, you know, cause 
he had, you know, the, the Pharisees like following around everywhere. It was really interesting with the whole cancel culture thing. Yeah. Because just a little note there. Like, you know, like if anybody had a reason to cancel, it'd be Jesus. Come on. And if no. Jesus canceled the Pharisees, then why were they with him all the time? <laughs> all the time. Obviously, he must have had some sort of, because people are always like, oh, Jesus was feisty and he flipped tables and he was this, that, and the other. So that gives me the excuse then to be a jerk to somebody. And I'm like, if he was a jerk to people, why were the Pharisees with him all the time? Literally all the time. So anyway, he's going through all these times. And I know that they were with him, obviously, because they were trying to find ways to like disprove him. But he obviously also created some sort of relational grounding with them where they felt safe enough to follow him, where they didn't feel like he was going to slam them every second. They tried to say something. So he's going around, he's doing these things. And, and then people have said, hey, like, you like, how, how is he healing people? And they're like, well, he's, you know, he's healing people in the name of Satan. And Jesus is like, well, why would Satan do that? Like, why would Satan have me heal people and then attribute it to the Father? Mm. Like, how divided against itself can't stand? He's like, that'd be like, that's it. Just it doesn't make any sense. He's like, it's like that'd be like, you know, trying to defend a city but leaving the door open. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, I just I bring that up to say, and I totally butchered that reference, but bring that up to say, like, Satan doesn't want us to stand together. Nope. So he loves the idea of creating different things, denominations, yep. church names, yep. uh, streams, whatever you want to call it. He loves to create ways for us to separate ourselves, right? White people, black people. Yeah. He loves to find ways to divide us so that we can't stand together. Because when we stand together, there's something very beautiful that happens. One, we actually get to see that we can be, that we were made to be in community, that we're made to love each other and to, and to take care of each other. Because like you said, like we don't get to play a part in people's things. Like we are not responsible for people's sanctification process, but we are a part of it in the sense that God uses us. Yes. One of the lessons that I've learned from you, right, is like God provides for me through his people. So when I need something, you know, like for me in my music, like, hey, I need help with this financially. I have to just go ask God's people. I have to ask God and then go ask his people. And yeah. God's people respond. Come so on. I think like we learn like the beauty of community that we were made to be together and like in doing so, like it glorifies God. When I ask somebody for help financially with my music stuff, you know, being completely vulnerable here, like I'm not at a place where I can like do everything by myself. But I need a lot of financial help and people have been so kind to come alongside. And when they do, like, honestly, it doesn't make me glor- glory in the person. It makes me glorify God. Come on. I'm not like, oh my gosh, this person, this and that. It's like, wow, God, like you heard my prayer and you provided. So we learn that we get that beauty in community, but we also get to see more full picture of who the father is, right? Because the father is not seen in a melting pot fashion. If he was, then he would have just created Adam and Eve and left it there. But he created so many different kinds of people. I I say it this way. If we're sitting in a room and we're sitting in a room and there's a, and there is a pendant light down on the, on coming down from the ceiling, we're all sitting in a circle and I'm talking to you because you're sitting next to me, and I'm like, well, this is what the light is, because from my perspective, I can only see a certain part of the light, right? And it's objective. That light is true, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. He's objective truth, and that light is true. Like, it's really there. Like, no one's arguing with me. Some people might, but they probably wouldn't be sitting in the circle. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if we're, like, looking at that light, and we're like, we all agree, like, yeah, the light's there, and I'm talking to you, and I'm like, this is what the light is. I'm not lying to you, but I'm also not telling you the complete truth, because I can only see in part the light. But if we all sit around in a circle and we go, hey, this is what I see, this is what I see, this is what I see, we get a more full picture of that light. But what do we do in our culture? Instead we go, 
if you don't see things from my perspective, then I'm going to cancel you and I'm going to not be with you. And I'm not going to hear from you. And I just want, I'm only going to be with people that see it my way that only see it from my perspective. We then miss out on an opportunity to see the part of the fullness of who God is because the fullness of who God is, is seen in his people. It's seen in the kingdom. That's why every tribe, nation and tongue will be there at the end of all times because he's put different parts of his heart on different people. So we miss out on seeing the fullness of him. And that ultimately ends up hurting us more than it does other people. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's so good. And and uh, just not to add too, too much to that, because that was really beautifully stated. Uh, also seeing people through their sin as well, too. We miss out on, we miss out on, like, because mm. uh, you're not just, like, you're not just trying to reconcile people like differences equate so many things, so many things, so many things. Like mm-hmm. I don't believe in abortion. I believe it's, it's, it's the murder of a babies, but I know that I have a lot of people in my life that don't see that, that, that way. And mm-hmm. like, I don't have to stand before God for what they believe and they don't have to stand before God for what I believe. Amen. Like Amen. Uh, also I, I know what the Bible says about homosexuality, right? I don't, I, mm-hmm. I believe it's a, it, I I believe it's a sin. I don't believe that the person who's a practicing homosexual is a horrible person. Um, and I believe that God is redemptive, but it's just like, uh, think about, um, think about the liar. Think about the person who's a chronic liar. Think about the adulterer. Think about all those things. Some of them are permissible sins and other, other are like identity sin. Like this sin takes Mm -hmm. over my whole identity. So we can't even Mm -hmm. see, we can't even see the person who practices homosexuality as, someone who could potentially love Jesus because we're only seeing them through their sin, not through the person that God says they are. So we discount mm-hmm. them as a person worthy of even having a conversation with. Right. And right. it's like, right. then we miss out on their greatness and we won't even use them. Like we would, we won't even use people a lot of times for who God says they are and pull out their greatness if they don't look squeaky clean or if they, or if they could potentially create controversy for us in what, what we're called to do. Like, again, it comes, it comes back to control. It comes back to, I need to control this situation and the outcome of it, or I won't use you at all. I mean, I've experienced that. Like I, I've, as a strong woman and people think if I can't control what's going to come out of her mouth, then I'm not going to give her a platform in in the place Mm -hmm. that I have. Cause what if she offends somebody? (laughs) And I'm like, what if I do? Then that was already in them. I didn't create that offense. I just exposed it. And so mm-hmm. the world doesn't know it's a lot of people in the world. They don't know the prophetic, but they do know mediums and they do know sorcery. So I've had a lot of people when I go and give a word, they'll go, are you a medium? And I'm like, mm-hmm. my, my source is Jesus. I don't correct mm-hmm. what they say about me because it's a language that they understand. And my only, go- and, oh, and you catch flack for that one. Let me tell you what, like people are like, what? Right. <laughs> but right. I don't, I don't really care. Those aren't the people that I'm trying to, to speak to. I'm speaking to Mm -hmm. the one, like I understand that the world has really good language for a lot of things. And that's why they've won a lot of people to humanism, right? The Mm. church doesn't have very good language for anything because we haven't had any conversations around anything period. The world is so good at having conversations. So they've created auras, they've created mediums, they've created sorcery, they've created all the things, all the great words and all the great things that they use and it, it really, it's only because the church hasn't taken the ingenuity and the, and, 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 and just the, the boldness that the world has taken. We've taken the safe route. We've melted 
everything into looking one way. And, right. and it's like, well, this is what the Bible says. I'm like, you're also right. That is what the Bible says. And that is what <laughs> Jesus did. And oh my gosh, like, I, oh my gosh. And so, but that's what, that's the beautiful part about conversations is like, I right. can sit here as a mama Ruth and you can sit here as a son and I can learn from my son. And it's yeah. like, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so dope. It's so rad. Um, I don't know. I just thought there's a lot of, there's a lot of good, there's so many different conversations that could come out of this podcast is crazy, but, but no, yeah, beautiful. the world that's is why just, you guys in community. Yeah, the the world just they've just done a better job at proselytizing people than than we have. <laughs> and, this, and this is a great conversation. I really I really like it. I think that you know, like, yeah, the the church also hasn't. We're not we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're, we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're supposed to be transformative, right? Um, yes. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The church, because. We love to control things. One, we've made all these black and white rules, which has basically suppressed any sense of multiculturalism because it's just harder. It's easier to be a melting pot like America and be like, well, this is what an American is. So if you don't fit this, then you're not American. So right. for the church, to go, well, this is like you said, this is what the church is and this is what a church member is. And so if you don't fit that thing, you're not a part of the church, which the Lord is just like, oh, cool. So you died on the cross for yourselves. Like, right. <laughs> like, no. Like, like, we, like, who are we to define? The, the things of God. Who are we to define what a citizen of heaven is? If we've been invited, there's a song called Citizens by John Guerra. People should listen to it if they've never heard it. It's so good. It's like, we come as immigrants and he calls us citizens and he welcomes us, welcomes us as children home. Like, mm. okay, so who are we then to go like, actually, you can't come. We all came as immigrants, but he calls us citizens. Like, we all come. Not, not with Jesus and that we are with you because of Jesus. Period. We're not going to stand before the throne of our peers. We're going to stand before Jesus, yeah. period. This has to be said. Um, I think that, you know, with that, I'm trying to remember back to why I originally brought that up because you were talking about something. Multiculturalism uh, and racism. Yeah, you were saying how it doesn't exist. Uh, I don't remember. But, yeah, I just think that, I think that we, oh, that's right, culture. The church, because we love to control things. Um, it's hard to be engaged with the world and transformative. Oh, that's good. It might, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard. So we've taken the easy way. What we can control is just to say, okay, well, this is what it is. So we just won't be a part of culture, right? Because yeah. to be transformative within culture, it looks a lot more gray, which is weird because it looks a lot more like the ministry of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that our churches actually don't attract the people that Jesus attracted? Right. Oh my gosh, they attract great looking people. Like, right. I mean, yeah, no, it's. They attract Pharisees. Yeah. They attract people who on the outside look a certain way and do a certain thing. It's so That's crazy. the normative, right? Yeah. But that's not what the ministry is. What Jesus is in the grace. So we got to learn as a church how to engage with culture. Like you said, find new ways to say things. Stop talking in jargon that people can't understand, making people feel dumb. We got to be aware that like we are here to be a city on a hill and a light in the world. And you can't be a city on a hill. If you, you can't be a city on a hill or in a light and we can't be a light if you're not, if you're not in darkness, 
that's the only way you can tell darkness, right? Right. And you can't be a city on a hill if you're not like within a town, right? Because like there's no way for them to know that you're on a hill. <laughs> so we have to be engaged with culture, but be transformative. And what is the transformative nature that we're supposed to be? Loving God and loving our neighbor. That is what's transformative because the enemy is so powerful, again, at dividing. He doesn't want us to be united. He wants to keep us divided because ultimately he's trying to kill us. And it's way easier to kill a a sheep that's outside of the flock than one that's in it. It's way easier to just go, oh, that sheep's out there alone by itself. The wolves, of course, will get it. But to be within the flock and to deal with, like, there's some old sheep and there's some young sheep and there's some sheep that have different spots and there's some sheep that have maybe are missing a different a part of the body, but they're all in the same flock and they have to figure out how to be different together. Yeah. That's the way harder. That's the freedom. Way harder. Right? That's freedom. Yeah. That's freedom. And that's what we are supposed to be. Love each other in the midst of our differences. Love each other though we disagree. And I think part of that also in another thing that I would, I think we have to be mindful of is I've not, I've had a very hard time with the word mission trip for a long time. Had a hard time with it because I think it's like, again, it's Americanism being bled into our churches where we think that we've figured it out, right? Uh Here's the black and white rules that we figured out. Now, therefore we will take those plans and put them in another country because it must work. And I'm like, what if we went to other countries and we said, okay, who is God already using here? Uh-huh. And how can we support them? And also, what can they teach us so that when we go home, we can we can have something that we are that we are carrying with us from learning from them. We have way more to receive than to get always. Yep, I, I that that I I wholeheartedly believe that as well too. Uh, I learned that back in my when I was in my early twenties, and I read the book Bruce Co about Bruce Olson, who was a missionary. Um, and he was connected to the Assemblies of God movement, and he went into this. I I wish it, I don't know if it was an African tribe or uh, I don't even know some indigenous. Let's say that some indigenous tribe somewhere that they wanted to. The church was like, "We're sending you as this mis- missionary." Well, ev- eventually, long long book story short, but it's an incredible book that addresses exactly what you're talking about. Um, he he went in and quickly realized that if he didn't. If, if he went in with Western religion to proselytize this, this indigenous tribe, who, by the way, didn't, I mean, they don't even speak English, he would never, he would be killed, basically. Uh, the church ended up disowning him. The denomination cut him off because he wouldn't do things the way that they want wanted him to. So basically, he's left as a singular person in this indigenous tribe of people living among them living among them as a white man, (laughs) learning their (laughs) language, learning the way that they worship whatever God it is they worship and they hear and all the things and ends up by, by integrating himself into their community, proselytizing and transforming the entire tribe and Mm. winning them for Christ and eventually uh, translating the Bible into their language as well too, so that they had a Bible, they had a a Jesus that they understood that worked the way that their tribe works and the way that the way that they live works. And I, when I read that was the first time I was actually, I think I was living on an orphanage in Mexico as a missionary. (laughs) If that's not funny, I don't know what is, but I'm reading this book and it's like revolutionizing the way that I look at missions and the way that I look at understanding people 
And I mean, I, I don't think I fully grasped it at the time, but I knew I agreed with it. I knew that what I was reading was right. I knew that I didn't have all the right answers like I had been taught. I knew that we didn't, like in the Western world, like in our American culture of thinking we know everything, that I didn't know everything. I didn't have it all right. And the way that we do everything isn't always the right way. And, and it's not the final say in things. And so I, I think... Yeah, I really just, I love this because I love people. Like what it gets down to, like you said, is loving God and loving your neighbor. Like Mm -hmm. people, it's loving people. The gospel is so simple and we have so overcomplicated it because we need to write so many theologies around our heart to protect it. And it's like Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't write a theology to protect his heart. He died on a cross and gave it up. And mm-hmm. so it's like, man, if people could see, if people could see vulnerability, man, I think like it would, it would, it would really change the landscape of the church, which would change the landscape of um, the world, which would then change the landscape of history. Like it's a, it's just a really big trickle down effect. So I, I mean, I know we got to bring this to a wrap and we could, it's just, these are things you could talk about forever. Cause they're so fascinating to me. But, um, I really, I hope that people have heard what was said today. Like, I mean, I, I I learned, I learned stuff. So, I mean, I hope someone else did, but then it's like, my brain is going a thousand miles a minute. Cause I'm like, that's so interesting. And then I get excited cause I just love understanding and I love conversation and I love. Well, you create a good space for that to happen. I, you know, I hope so. I'm like, I, you do. I, it has been, this year has, has really, I've really been mindful because it's the, it's so social media would tell you that our country is so divided, but if you walk out your front door, you'd realize it's not, mm. um, it's not as divided as, as, as all of the media outlets want you to believe it is. People still know how to love each other. People still know how to be generous. People still understand basic kindness. And so They've taken political parties and drawn a line and said this or that. And yes, I'm, I will acknowledge there is cancel culture going on. There is all those things are very real. But like if you shut it all off and and you tap into heaven, you uh, you'll you'll start to understand. Like Tematape and his wife went out the other day and delivered cookies to all their neighbors on his birthday, and I thought that was so beautiful. And they wrote like a simple little note inside of it, and um, it it was it was it was very timely and it was very perfect. It was on election day. Cause that's when his birthday was. And it's so beautiful. I'm mm-hmm. sure they had great encounters with the people in their neighborhood and it didn't matter what they believed or didn't believe because it, it just mattered that they made connection. They made a point of connection and someone now knows that this couple in my neighborhood cares and they know how to love and I have a point of connection. So if anything ever comes up, they, they already know, like, I'm going to always remember that, that instance and how you made me feel in that moment mm-hmm. of division, of uncertainty, of, of a time in our, in our nation where we think nobody likes anybody, which is not true. It's not just not true. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lie from the pit of hell. And I've had, and I've also had to learn cause you can like your thinking can get a little polarized when you have strong convictions about something. And even in what we do, mm-hmm. like, I'm having conversations with Orion. I'm saying, Hey, I know that we feel a specific way about this election and about what God has said in prophetic words, but I, 
Be mindful when you speak about how your words come out because just understand that everybody who walks through our front door might not share our same belief system, but yet they still love Jesus. And I don't want Mm -hmm. someone at my dinner table to feel like they can't be vulnerable with me because they think I'm going to blast them because they might be a Democrat and think a certain way because I, I'm a Republican and I think a certain way. I want mm-hmm. I want them to come in and sit at my dinner table and to know, like, I, I know you hear from God. I know you love Jesus. And at the core of who I am, I disagree completely with all that. But, like, you must have a good reason for being who God says you're called to be. And I just don't mm-hmm. know it. And God loves mm-hmm. you. Just like you probably think that mm-hmm. about me. Mm-hmm. And that's been something I've had to really, really be mindful of and conscious of in this season. Um, and, and to watch, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not perfect, obviously I'm working towards perfection in it, but man, oh man, does it, it, this year, if any year has taught you how to deal with yourself and then love other people, I would say it's 2020. I feel like, and that's, I mean, it's, it's full circle to me because, you know, that ability, like you're saying, to look at somebody and go like, you know, there's things that you disagree with that I, that you see that I see in you that I disagree with. Like you, there's things in me that, that you see and you disagree with and still be able to go like, Hey, like, but that doesn't mean we can't be in a relationship. Like that's, that's reconciliation right yeah. there. That's reconciliation is to be able to look at each other and go like, you know what, to whom grace has been given, um, right. to, to whom has received much grace, we will extend much <gasps> grace. That's why I say reconciliation has got to go in and through the family of God. Yeah. We, we have received it. So well, and so it's got to go through us. I say that there's three things, and I have this project I'm super excited about. You know about already the Civil Rights Project, and I actually called it. I'm calling it right now. The working title is a Reconciler's Guide. Come on! And um, I have it. The emphasis for this one being um, civil uh, civil rights, Um, and I have a couple other ones that I'm super excited about, like starting at some point. But I mean, this is like the work I want to. I want. I don't want to tell people like this is. And like we said, here's the five ways to be a reconciler. My whole, my whole approach with, with my ministry and my life is music is the bedrock, right? I'm, I'm empowering you and united by music because I know music is a safe place. People fun, somehow figure out like, well, I know that they, you know, might um, go to bed sleeping with somebody that I would say they shouldn't sleep with that night or they might um, do some things that I wouldn't do or they believe some things, whatever. But we all like John Mayer, so I guess we're here. Like, <laughs> Music has that weird ability, you know what I mean? Yes. Music has that really weird innate ability to make common ground. And so I, I want to use that in my advantage, in my ministry to the family of God. So I think that part of the reason we're not being reconciled is because we lack language. So I'm like, if I use music as a bedrock for common ground and through that provide language for people, maybe they can start thinking about things more Come on. Um, in the world. But so with that, I, I want to provide tools so that people can go and go, okay, like, now that I got this tool, Holy Spirit, how should I build my life as a reconciler? I'm not telling you how to do it because it's meant to look a little different in each of us, but we all have the ministry. We all have the ministry. It's not a, it's not a choice. It's a responsibility. God reconciles to himself, so we must reconcile through him and to others. So we have that responsibility, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to just go, here's some tools. Go ask Holy Spirit how you're supposed to build. Um, but in that, I think there's three things that have to happen. You have to remember, right? And I'll, I'll use it in the Christian walk. We remember who we were apart from Christ, right? And, and that's a key part. So as a country, you know, for, for right now, racial tensions are high. So as a country, like, 
we have to remember the injustices done towards black people. I just went on this civil rights tour. We don't remember very well. In fact, in most places, we actually celebrate the oppressor. There is no remembrance for what happened to the oppressed. But we were celebrate the oppressor. That's a whole other conversation. We've got to remember, right? Remember who we were apart from Christ. Remember the wrongs that we've done. We've got to repent, right? We've got to look and go, hey, there's some things as we remember that we didn't do well on both sides. And we've got to repent. And we've got to, and we've got to ask God to forgive. And, and then as the last thing is you remember, you repent, and then you respond. So now that you have remembered what was and you repented for the wrongs done, how are you going to respond? The reality is, is everybody is contributing. Everybody's contributing. The question is, are you contributing to the problem or to the solution? Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. And I'm not even going to add to that. We're going to, um, we're going to end with that. And that was really beautiful. So, uh, yeah, so good. Such a good conversation. I, yeah, really good. I just, yeah, I hope, yeah, I hope it heals people. I hope it, it, um, resonates with people and I hope that you, I hope it brings you closer to Jesus. I mean, that's the point. Yeah. So yeah. I love you. Thank you so much for your time. Like we spent a lot of time together today. <laughs> we did. But you know what? I love you and I loved every second. Plus we were overdue anyway. So like this I is, know. this is all worked out. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. It's been really cool. Yeah, no, it's so good. So we are going to sign off from this podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, go check out Tematape on Instagram um, under Tematape. And then uh, go check out Join in the Family. That's his other Instagram page as well, too. Um, you can you can find out what he's doing, where he's headed, uh, and then how to partner with him because I know that it takes money to get the kingdom out there and money comes from our day job, but it also comes from help. So there's mm-hmm. that. And uh, there she is again, pushing me to ask people for help. <laughs> listen, dude, I just had to ask people for help the other day and it went, and someone said, Oh, you don't like vulnerability. I said, actually, I love vulnerability. I hate disappointment. So, mm. um, that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, I said vulnerability doesn't bother me in the least. I said I just hate being disappointed by people's lack of generosity. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen, dude. Um, so I have Amen. to do deal like that. God has to deal with that in myself. It's always a journey, dude. All this is a journey. So I'm just thankful to be on the journey with you and I'm thankful um to have you and your whole family in my life. And with that I'm going to turn up the music and we're going to say goodbye for now. That's hot.